Today, we are talking about sin. Um, Dave chooses who does the sermons and what topics we speak out, speak about. And for some reason, Dave chose me to talk about sin. Thanks, Dave. Um, we are looking at the Lord's Prayer, and we're seeing how not only is it a prayer, but it is teaching us how we can be disciples of Jesus, and how what Jesus taught us to pray actually teaches us how to live. And just to do a little recap, we have looked at how God is our Father, what it means to live in God's kingdom. Philip Donardi last week was excellent, I thought, talked about God's provision and how we can pray and ask God for things. And I get to talk about sin. Great. Now, sin is a funny old word, isn't it? Because actually, if you've ever done Slimming World, I haven't, but I know some people who have, um, the food that you can't eat are called sins, I think. And you have to weigh up the sins to see how many, how many sins you can eat. It's spelled a different, different way. But sin in the New Testament is not about what you can eat and what you can't eat. It is a word that is used, it's um, a Greek word, hamartia. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, probably not. But the Greek word that is often used to talk about sin in the New Testament is actually an archery term. And it's about missing the mark, missing the bullseye. So you might have a, you know, a big, oh, what's it called? Bow and arrow, that's right. Pull it back, aim for the bullseye, goes wildly off and hits anywhere but the bullseye. It's, it's a word that is used to describe falling short, missing the mark, not aiming where you should. And that's when, when the Bible's talking about sin. That's kind of the, the gist, the picture that it wants to build. That actually, sin is when we don't do what God has intended us to do, when we don't live how God has intended us to live, when we miss the mark. And I'm going to let you into a secret. All of us sin. None of us are immune from it. Just because you're a church leader and you stand on a stage with a microphone does not mean that you don't sin. I know that's not a surprise to you, but I just thought I'd say it anyway. We are all people who sin, who miss the mark, who make mistakes, who act selfishly, who do things in secret that we shouldn't do, who do things in public that we shouldn't do. We are all in the same boat. But let's just revisit the Lord's Prayer that we're taking our verse from today so that we can remind ourselves of what Jesus taught us. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. That's next week's sermon. And lead us not into temptation. So forgive us our sins. Now, how aware are you of your sin, even right now? I'm not going to ask you to give me an answer publicly because that would be too embarrassing. But how aware are you of your sin? Are you the sort of person that um, kind of turns a bit of a blind eye to your own sin? Do you feel like you're quite tuned into the, the sins you commit, the things you do, things you don't do, the things you should have done, the things you ought not to have done but did? How, just have a little think. What are you like? Do you know when you last committed a sin? Now, I think we can fall into a few sort of traps when we're thinking about sin. These are three that I have thought about that maybe I have a tendency to do. The first thing is we can minimise our sin. Oh, it's only a small thing. Everyone does it. It doesn't matter if you pay in cash because, you know, it's their, their thing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you break the speed limit because it's a stupid speed limit anyway, 20 miles an hour. It doesn't matter. Um, nobody will see me do it, so, it, you know, it's okay. We can minimise sin sometimes 
And I mean, there may be silly examples or smaller examples, but we can minimise what we're doing and think, actually, it's OK, it's just human behaviour. Um, God understands that. Alternatively, we can be really good at spotting sin in other people's lives and not so good at recognising the sin in our own life. And we can be a bit judgy. And Dave did a brilliant sermon on this, actually, a few weeks ago at the 7pm. It was, it was the end of June. If you want to hear about how Christians can be hypocritical and a bit judgy, and you want to know how to move from that place to that place where you're not, check it out. It was really good. Um, but we can be a bit judgy. We can be more in tune with the speck in somebody else's eye and less observant of the great big fat log sticking out of our own eye. I can be a little bit like this, especially with my children. I can, oh, I could list off a load of sins in my kids' lives, and, um, but not be quite so happy to list off my own. Um, but it, it can be really easy to try to fall into. The other thing we can do is we can feel totally condemned by our sin. We can feel crushed under the weight of sin and shame. It can feel like a massive burden that we carry around and we feel like we're never going to get moved past it. We're never going to be able to break the cycle of a particular sin that we are stuck in. We can feel like we're not worth anything, that God doesn't love us anymore because we are so bad. If only people found out what I was really like, nobody would like me. No, we can get in, stuck in this spiral of sin and shame and feel really burdened by it. None of these are good places to be, I'm just saying, but probably all of us relate and understand what some of those feelings might be like. You know, the Bible is really not... Um, it's really tuned in to the human condition. And it's, it's not kind of like, oh, wow, people sin. It's like the Bible has every sin you could possibly imagine listed on its pages. It is a, a really rich source of where humans go wrong and the decisions they make that are poor and bad and selfish and evil. And, uh, you know, pretty much every page will have an illustration of where humans muck, muck up. And it's not, it knows what we're like. God knows what we're like. He knows our frailty, our weakness, the human condition, and, and kind of our, our sort of sinful nature is not a surprise to God. He knows it. Romans 3, verse 23, sums it up. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, all of us in this room, none of us are immune, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus in Mark 9 really hits a nail on the head with these really strong words, which I'm going to read right now. Buckle up. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Wow, strong words. Jesus takes sin seriously. Now, in, that, in those words, he's not saying that we should bring in Sharia law and cut off everything that sins. He is saying sin is a serious business. It leads to death. It does not lead to life. It, sin never leads anywhere good. It always leads down a terrible road of destruction and ultimately death. So he's saying, don't be kind of blasé with your sin. Don't make friends with it. 
Don't move in with it. Don't make it at home in your life. Be ruthless with it and root it out and treat it as God does. Because sin does not only just damage a few things and sin isn't just like, oh, you know, it's not a very good thing to do. You shouldn't do that. Sin damages us. It damages our sense of freedom and wholeness and well-being. It damages our relationship with God. He is holy, perfect, pure, righteous, and we are not. And it comes in between us and causes a sort of like a breakdown in our relationship, but it also damages our relationships with other people. And it's really naive to think that we can sin privately, secretly, and it won't have an effect on anybody else but us. Because sin is never like that. And sin does affect other people. There are always consequences to the choices and, and the decisions and the sins that we, that we make. Sin has a habit of leaving a trail around it. There's always fallout. There's always consequences. Sometimes they're just really small. Sometimes you may not even know what they are, and sometimes they're really big. And it reminded me of that um, story that was on the TV recently, which was about the Novichok poison incident in Salisbury where those two, that mother and son, were poisoned by Novichok, and it had been smeared on the handle of their door of their house. And they touched the door handle, and then they went about their day, and everything they touched was infected with this poison. And if anybody else had come behind them and touched it too, they'd have been infected by it. It was a bin, it was a table, it was some cutlery in a restaurant. It was a bench where they sat. And um, one lady sadly died because she found the perfume bottle. Um, and thought it was perfume. And the police and the army had to come in, and actually they had to kind of just get rid of every single trace of Novichok in the city of Salisbury. And it was in lockdown, and it was a really slow, laborious affair where they had to kind of clean it and find it and make it, make it okay again. And it just reminded me of sin. It's like this is this trail of stuff that can spill out of us. It can affect a relationship there. It can affect our wholeness here. It can affect somebody else further down the line. It can, it can have an effect that we have no really idea about. The consequence can hit somebody else. Or it can spill out of us in the way that it has damaged us. And then it comes out in anger or cynicism or sarcasticness or judgmentalism or pride. So we have to kind of just be honest about it and say, actually, it does affect us. And it does affect others. But it also affects our relationship with God. Sin weighs us down. It becomes like a heavy burden. Even the secret sins will bring shame and guilt and conviction on us. And it can be hard to carry. And to illustrate this, I'm going to just put on this very large rucksack. Or try to. It's my husband's. It's just that got his lunchbox in it. <laughs> Not really. This is an army rucksack, as you can tell. And it's very full. And when you first put it on, it kind of feels all right. That's a bit uncomfortable, to be honest. But it feels all right. But the longer you have this on your back, the heavier it becomes. The harder it is to walk, to climb, you know. Am I going to run up Paddy Fan? No, I'm not, with this on my back. Can I keep it on for a few minutes? Yeah, I can. But that's what sin does to us. It becomes a heavy burden. 
It's heavy, it's awkward. The longer we carry it around, the more effect it will have on us, the more effect it will have on our relationship with God, the more effect it will have on our relationship with others, the more damaging it will be to us. It will cause us to feel shame and guilt. We will feel that we're terrible Christians, we're terrible people. It will affect the way we relate to other people because we're expanding so much effort carrying this. And it's never a good thing. It leads, as Jesus said in Mark, it leads to death. And some of the things that could be in this backpack, I mean, you can think of all the things that maybe you might do sometimes. But, you know, anger, pride, lying, gossiping, selfishness, greed, sexual sin, the stuff that our eyes see, the places that our feet go, the things that our hands do, to use the illustration of Mark. And it weighs us down, becomes a burden, and it's really hard to do life. And let's face it, guys, life is hard enough as it is, isn't it? Life is a struggle. And we don't want to enter into life with a burden of sin on our back because it's going to make it even harder. We are meant to be living free, full of joy, full of peace, full of the kingdom of God. So that's the bad news. There is a burden. Sin is real and it leads to nowhere good. But the brilliant news is Jesus died on the cross and defeated sin. At the root of sin, he defeated it, dealt with it so that we can be forgiven. So when Jesus is saying, telling us in that prayer, pray, forgive us our sins, it's because he knows that's not an impossible prayer to pray because he has made the provision for us to be forgiven. He has given us access to the freedom and forgiveness of sin, which means that we can live free from sin, free from the burden, free from the weight that carries us down and presses down on our shoulders and becomes the gloom around our heads and our hearts. Not because of anything we have done, but because of everything that he has done. It's an incredible gift of God's mercy. God's mercy is over us. His forgiveness is real, it's tangible, it's a gift. We can't earn it, we can't do anything to, to, to make it real. We just have to accept Jesus' incredible gift of forgiveness of sins. The Apostle Paul said this as he looked back at the cross. For God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us because we were good, because we could pull it together, because we didn't sin very much. He died for us because we're rubbish and we are sinful. And we can't do life in our own strength. He died for us in that place so that we could be forgiven. Peter says this. He bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds we are healed. His wounds, his death, his cross means that we can be forgiven. How does it work? That's always what I want to know. How does it work? John 1, 1 John 1 verse 9 says this. And this is my, my um, invitation for you to memorize a verse this week. And this is the verse I want you to memorize because it's golden. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will purify us from all unrighteousness. Those burdens we're carrying, this weight, this backpack's getting heavier now. If we confess our sins, if we repent, if we turn away and say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. I confess my greed, my pride, my sexual immorality, my cynicism, my hard heart. I confess it to you, I'm sorry. If we get on our knees before Jesus, before the cross and say, thank you so much for dying on the cross that I can be free and forgiven. Take my heavy load, hand it over to you. Let me receive your forgiveness and your freedom. It's a sweet and simple and brilliant exchange, but a true one. A one that God has designed us to do, a one that his death has set us up to achieve. We can't do it on our own strengths, in our own strength. We can only do it because of the cross. And that is the truth this morning of sin. Sin is real. It leads to death. But Jesus' death on the cross leads to life. It leads to freedom. It leads to forgiveness. And just as I finish, a couple of things to throw out to you as I come into land. If you're here and you don't know Jesus yet... You haven't taken that step of choosing to follow him and receiving his forgiveness. And there's an invitation to every single one of you who might be in that position today. If you're watching online, if you've stumbled across this sermon in 20 years' time, if it's still going, that invitation is as real to you today as it was right back when Jesus died on the cross. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to commit your life to him. He wants to relieve the burden of sin and shame and take it away and invite you into a relationship with him. And this morning, that invitation is to you if you don't know him yet. And I'm going to pray in a moment. And if that's you, I'd love you to pray with me in your own mind and repeat that with me. Second thing is, it says in James, confess your sins to one another. Now, I'm not going to say turn to your neighbor and confess your sin. You'd be pleased to know. But there's something very, very powerful about confessing the stuff that we're doing wrong in our life to somebody else and asking them to pray for us. And especially if there are sins that we are struggling with, that we feel like we're in a bit of a loop, a cycle that we can't get out of, often they're the secret things, things that we have feel a lot of shame about, we can't tell anyone about. My encouragement to you is to find someone that you trust, that is godly, that will listen and pray and not judge and will show you mercy and kindness. There are lots of people like that in this room. And if you don't know anyone, then come to one of the leaders here because there's something so powerful about bringing your sin into the light, taking it out of the darkness, out of the secret place and letting God's spirit come and minister to you in that place. It is powerful. It's a supernatural thing that God does in that place where he gives you his mercy. He gives you his forgiveness. And he helps you walk away from that sin that you feel like you're stuck in. And the third thing is, I just felt there was something around secret sin today. I've mentioned that a few times. I think for some of us, we are caught in a bit of a cycle of secret sin that we haven't told anyone about. And I I did wonder if there's 
if there is anyone here or online that is contemplating a sexual sin of some kind, maybe even an affair, can I just invite you to turn away from that sin and turn to life? Choose Jesus over anything else that seems more attractive because it's a lie and it's not more attractive. Jesus is the most attractive person you can ever be in love with, who you can ever allow into your life. So can I just encourage you to talk to somebody about that? Speak about it, bring it into the light. Don't let it stay in the darkness. So I'm going to pray for us, for all of us, myself included, and give you an opportunity to do your own confession in prayer with God. And this is between you and him, nobody else. So what I'm going to suggest is that we are just have a few moments of quiet together where you just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Is there anything that he is highlighting in your life, in your heart, something you have done or haven't done, should have done? And now's your moment to just hand it over to God, to take the cross, to say, I confess my sin to you. I receive your forgiveness. Fill me with your joy and your peace and your spirit. Again, let's live free and light Hearted. That's how God has designed us to be, not burdened by the weight of sin and shame. So I'm going to give us some time for that. And then if there's anyone here that hasn't followed Jesus yet and wants to take that step, I'm going to pray a prayer and invite you to repeat it with me. And then I'm going to hand over to Dave. So let's just take a moment, maybe shut your eyes. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin because he wants more from us. He wants to pull us up to Jesus. So Holy Spirit, you are here. You are ministering to us because you love us and you want to grow us to be more like Jesus. And I just invite you to speak to our hearts and minds right now, to bring your conviction, if that's what we need. Just highlight us to us what we have done wrong and what we need to confess to Jesus in these moments. We hand over our lives to your examination, knowing that we can trust you. Jesus, we confess our sins to you and thank you so much for your incredible forgiveness that is real, for your mercy and grace over our lives, that you welcome us into a relationship with you. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us again with your presence and your power and keep transforming us into people and lives that look more like Jesus. Thank you that we are forgiven. We are free from the weight of sin. In this place, we can leave knowing that freedom and that peace that only you can give. And if you're here and you want to take a step to follow Jesus for the first time or to recommit your life to him, 
having sort of slipped away from him, why don't you just say this prayer with me in your own mind? Just repeat these words if this is you. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for dealing with my sin and my shame and my separation from God. I ask you now to come into my life and to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take away my sin and my shame. Help me to become more like you as I welcome your presence into my life. And thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Amen.